Hi there, thanks again for joining us. I'm Jonathan Healy. The third podcast of 2018 and we said we'd talk about fitness and healthy eating because that's what we're all obsessing about, right? Okay, well, it's what we should be obsessing about. Alright, look, I really want to eat a bar of chocolate right now, but here's hoping that the next few interviews will inspire us. Red Business Podcast with CompuB, building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com. So we're at that stage in January where your fitness regime and your diet is either going swimmingly or you're crying into a bag of crisps because you haven't actually done a single thing that you've wanted to do. So we decided now would be a good time to talk about health, fitness and what we eat. And we'll begin this particular podcast with fitness. It's the thing that I've said at the start of the year, I'll, I'll get out walking. Sure, it's been raining nonstop. I haven't had a chance to get out. That's my excuse. Um, the other thing was I'd, I, I said I'd go swimming, but, you know, you get wet and very cold when you go outside. So all the excuses we put in our minds, my next two guests are going to dispel for me as to how we should be getting fitter and can be getting fitter. So we have Rob Birdsall, who is fit for less. Rob, how are you? Very good. How are you, and we, I'm good, thank you. And Anthony Fenley, who is with Urban Fitness. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. So tell me a little bit, lads, about your gyms, first of all. Rob, Fit for Less, tell me where it is and what it's about. Yeah, Fit for Less, we're a brand new gym. We're based in 1314 South Terrace, uh, formerly known as Lee Garage. Oh, you're the old Fiat Garage? Yeah. Um, we're here, it's our first year this month. Actually, our birthday coming up. And that used to be... Uh, like a, a proper car garage and what I love when I'm driving up South Terrace is you can actually see in the window you yeah, can you see can, the people you, who are and how they're getting out yeah, yeah you can see straight into the cardio zone people working hard on the does that not freak tr- people out no bit? not really no um, not really I think but the, the staff there are very helpful um, the, it is a very beginner friendly gym when they come in through the front door they're talked through how to use everything all the equipment I feel like the cardio the cardio zone is kind of their safe zone they come off and the trainers take them through a workout. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's 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 probably it looks just me. I'd imagine that yeah. I'm I'm just fascinated looking in. That's it's it's more the weirdo in me than the people who are actually <laughs> in the gym. Uh, Anthony, Urban Fitness, where is it? Um, Urban Fitness is in um, Blackpool, um, North Link, uh, Industrial Park. Um, we're basically um, a personal training gym. Um, we specialize in one to one and uh, group personal training. So um, that's kind of our niche. Um, we don't. It's not kind of a, a go in and do your own thing, gym. It's all um, personal training or group personal training. So, in other words, uh, Rob's gym has lots of people coming in. Uh, you would probably only have a handful of people in the gym at any one time, um, would you? Yes. Uh, so, so our groups are roughly if we're doing a, if you're doing a group session, it's roughly um, maybe ten to fifteen people at a time, and and then we also do a one to one. Body transformations. And that's an interesting phrase, body transformation, because when people come through the door and talk to you for the first time, do we expect miracles as a rule? Uh, do people um, say, uh, hi, I I'm I need to shed two stone in a month? Uh, yes, it can happen. Off which, it, but when you say it can happen, you can, it doesn't mean that they come through the door or you can actually lose two stone in a month. No, it can happen. People can come in and people have this, um, this uh, perception I think from probably social media, um, from looking at Instagram, looking at Facebook, um, that they have a picture in their head of the body that they want, but they don't realise the work that has to be put in to get there. You know, so sometimes you have to kind of um, put people with a bit, bit of a reality check, you know, but I mean, our objective is to motivate them, get them in the right frame of mind to go in and actually try to achieve their goals. 
Yeah. I, and, and I suppose, is it the same for you, Rob, when you have those people coming in um, that you are giving assistance to those guys in the gym who will help them out, but it, it's really up to them. You can't force them in at gunpoint yeah, to yeah. go on a treadmill. Well, especially with beginners coming in. And like Anthony said there, when they're on, they're looking at social media and they're seeing what they want. I think I think you need to take a step back from social media and have, you know, focus more on you rather than someone else. So when you come in, it's more of a mental thing as well. It's creating that habit. So when you come in and you start training for a few weeks, it's more like, it's more of working out, feeling good about yourself, more physical and mental, you know? And it gets easier. I mean, from when I've gone to gyms, it does get easier if you actually commit to doing it. So in other words, you say, I'm going to go three times a week and you do hit the three times a week. Yeah. You do feel better, I don't feel you? Yeah. It, that, that, is, that a, is that a release of endorphins or what is it's, it? Yeah, it's endorphins. I train now. I don't have any specific goal at the moment. I train just to feel good. I, I train just for my mood, just to feel good every day. Anthony, like you, you train, you kind of compete in Ironman. Yeah, and, I compete. Yeah. Um, I always set a goal personally. Um, I like to have a. I like to challenge myself in my own personal training. Um, and I like to target things. Um, like twenty sixth of May, I do a full Ironman in Lanzarote. Okay. Um, so that, to to explain to the people who wouldn't be familiar with Ironman, what what does that involve? Um, a full Ironman is literally a four k swim a 200k cycle and then a full marathon consecutively so roughly about very, 12 very, to 14 hours very easy going <laughs> easy <laughs> oh, stuff nice trip to Lanzarote <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it's, and that is kind of warm at that time of year yeah. as well isn't yeah, it yeah it'd be quite warm yeah you'd want to be in kind of peak fitness but yeah. most people who come into you don't necessarily want to become the no, Ironman um, don't they? most people who come into us um, we get a lot of um, just ordinary people looking to just uh, start off and maybe maybe um, change their lifestyle Maybe they've gone to the doctor and the doctor has said, look, you need to start losing a few pounds, you know, um, maybe the cholesterol is too high um, and it's, maybe it's just affecting their life in general, mm. you know. It's a funny business because before <clears throat> the crash, so pre-2007, yeah. uh, when the two of you probably were younger, not, not, not in business, <laughs> I'm going to hazard a guess, right, um, there would have been a lot of gyms. And it was almost the thing to do. It yeah. was every street corner was to have a, a gym chain that was going to open up. And of course, all that fell south and people couldn't afford gym membership anymore. So what prompted you, Rob, to get into the business? Um, whatever, just a year ago, in fact, uh, to open the gym. Yeah, see, fitness has always been my passion. I grew up playing sports all my life. Like Anthony, I played soccer all my life. There's a, there's a generation between us, though. So... <laughs> I was always I was just I grew up around it training just having to be fit having having to be have my own level of fitness and I got into training in about 2009 and just from there and and what point did you say hang on there's a business I can do this I, I can actually help motivate people I can I can open a gym only a couple of years ago when I finished up playing soccer did I really go full on 100% into it. Yeah, and that was a turning point. I mean, if you were playing soccer yeah. at, at a good level like that, yeah. it's really what are you going to do next, isn't it? Re yeah, I really, I wasn't sure. Um, I just started off, I was like, I'm going to put everything I put into the soccer and f just put it to the wayside and focus on. Yeah. And Anthony, for you, what was the what, what was the, the, the decision maker for you um, into opening the business? I suppose I played football for a living um, for most of my life. Um, and... All I've ever done is trained, basically. So when I when I was coming to the end of my own career, <clears throat> um, I started focusing on what I was going to do next. I started doing my coaching badges um, and I started going into the coaching side of the game. I was working with Cork City Football Club for five years. 
I was assistant manager of Limerick Football Club um, for two years. And like all along though, with football, it was kind of a situation where in Ireland, you're just not making enough money in the coaching side to make a living off it. Justify you know? a career. So yeah, yeah, so I had to look at something else as well along those lines of staying so that I had time to maybe mix both. So that's kind of the road I went down and I decided like, I started doing my, my personal training certificates. I went to Stefan Nefa and um, done my NCF and and I looked at it then and I thought, right, what can I do here? My sister was also a qualified personal trainer. So we decided we'd uh, have a little venture and we opened a gym. We started off really small and we've grown it and we're at it now uh, nine years this year. Okay, so, so you, you would yeah. have started, again, you were one of the insane people who started a business yeah. in 2008. Yes. When you would have, when, and when I said all the gyms were closing, you were opening yes, one. Yes, we were opening, yeah. Touch of madness about that now, if you yes, don't know what you're saying. Yes, touch of madness. So, <laughs> He's not so, as young as you think, so. Yeah. So, so, um, that's so, the Iron Man for that's you. That's the Iron so. Man, yeah. So, we, uh, so, yeah. so we kind of put a venture together. We started off with a small unit in Blackpool. Um, it was about, about 2,000 square foot only, you know, and um, we built it from there. And um, we're, we're now in a unit where it's five and a half thousand square foot mm. and we roughly, we could train anything up to maybe 80 to 100 people a day. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Look, you're both soccer players uh, in the past. Do you miss the soccer? I mean, do you still play or what? Yeah. No, um, you don't I don't play. Oh, but do I miss it? Yes, I don't play anymore though. I, um, <clears throat> I kind of just put it all to one side. That was part of your life yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, I miss the competitive side of things. I miss the crack, you know, in a team, in the teammate environment, you know, away trips and stuff. But, yeah. yeah. Would you go to matches? Like, would you go to the cross? I have been a couple of times since, but that's it, handful of times. Yeah. How yeah. about you, Ant? I'm still involved. Um, I'm still involved with Cork City Football Club. Um, not involved with the first team. Um, I'm involved with the underage at the minute with the uh, 15s, 17s and 19s. So, um, obviously, I do see myself hopefully going back in Back at a full time at some some point. Um, my ambition is to is to coach at the highest level or manage at the highest level, and that's kind of where I'm at. So I haven't said that. That's a very precarious look at look at England right now. It's a pretty precarious profession. I don't know whether <laughs> I'd be rushing into it now. Yeah, it's but I, it's not just England. I think it's across the board. You know, um, I've seen I've seen all sides of the um, of the scale here in Ireland, especially um, from being like with Cork City Football Club and then being with Limerick Football Club on both playing and coaching sides, you know. So I've seen both sides of the scale. Mm. And um, Is it a good thing as well, though, for you, if you're, particularly if you're working with the underage in Cork City, that they can see, well, look, we'll give this a go. Let, let's let's give it a crack. If it works, it works. But here's a guy who's doing something else. So yeah. it, it just proves, that, and I always get worried when you hear about young people starting out, yeah. particularly in soccer, that, at the, you know, they leave school at 15, they go into an academy, and we know how quickly some of them get burnt up. What is, do we do now? It's kind of, what it, do we do now? Kind yeah, of is it a good thing that, you know, you can see that guys like you have done something like this, that there's a career that still involves sport, that still involves fitness, that still gets them to what they want to do? Yeah, definitely. Because it's something they've been doing their whole life, you know? Something that something that's not alien to them. Um, but yeah, that's a big issue with finishing up early and finishing up after, you know, being told you're in your mind you're going to do something since... You're the next, li- you're old, the you next Lionel Messi. Yeah, uh, you go from eight years old and you all of a sudden at 20, 22, you don't know what to do. So it's good seeing people go down a different path and having success in that. Yeah, Anthony, what do you say to the kids? Um, <clears throat> like, I suppose the, the biggest problem you have out there with, with underage um, football is parents, you know. Um, parents thinking the kids are going to be something special, you know, and putting pressure on them and not letting them enjoy the game. 
I think Damien Duff had um, a big article about it there recently. That's right. Where he um, basically had a <clears throat> real pop at the parents to let the kids alone and let them enjoy their football, you know. Um, but I think, especially in Ireland, we're miles behind at the minute, um, like development-wise. We're just so far behind. Um, we need to really step it up. Um, like I think Damien was talking that time about how many coaching hours were behind um, all the other European countries, you know. So, I mean... It's looking at the minute that they're trying to push it forward by having the under 15s and having the under 17s in the national league, and now they're going to go for an under 13 league, I think. So, hopefully, that'll step it up. But I mean, from the fit, from a fitness side and from a strength and conditioning side, um, even, even from that, like when the kids come hit 15, 16, 17, like if they want to be professional footballers, they got to start buying into it, you know. Yeah, and, and the and, clubs and, have to buy into it. And just fulfilling the role that is expected yeah. at the very outset lads I talked about January and, yeah. and how it can be an absolute car crash for people and as I said there will be some listening now who will be crying into their chips that it all went <laughs> wrong for them uh, do you find a huge drop off uh, in people committing I suppose Rob more for you because you're this you're kind of the it's open model yeah. gym commercial gym where people will sign and great fantastic you'll happily take the money but then if they don't turn up you can't force them in at gunpoint yeah but uh, see it's always nice when, when beginners come in the door we're a very beginner-friendly gym. We run 40 classes a week and they're all with the membership and everything. So I like seeing members come in and because there's a few members from the very beginning last year, they're now regular members. Never been to a gym before, they're now going one year straight. I like seeing a member, you know, stick at it, become more confident. Just getting the, just and, and I suppose it's encouraging them as well because look, I've been in gyms whereby you get one introduction and then you don't see anyone else for the rest of the time. There, it, it is important yeah. to keep hands on, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, it's like a fishnet. You're not, you know, you're not going to get every beginner to stay, but if you can get that few beginners, you know, to buy into it. Um, like recently, we had a, a woman. She started coming twenty minutes a day, thirty minutes a day. Last year, and she's now after reversing. Type 2 diabetes. So things like She's that. She's reversed it. Yes. Right, the Iron Man uh, is next for her. We yeah, need to send yeah. her to Lanzarote in the <laughs> middle of the summer. That's, that's, so it's things like that that, um, you know, yeah. I got into it for. It really, and, and that's great to see results like that for her and indeed for you. I, Anthony, for you, I suppose, because people are committing to doing the kind of the, the more intense one-on-one or small class, you don't have that huge drop-off rate, do you? By the time um, they come to you, have uh, they made their mind you, up? It's still, you still get a drop-off rate because um, what they... What they find is when they come to us, it's a little bit more intense um, as in like to what they're doing. Maybe if they're going to the gym, doing their own thing, they don't have to push themselves out of their comfort zone. So what we try to do is push oh God, them I love, I love, push my, them com- I love my comfort zone. <laughs> my comfort zone is my best friend. Yeah, but what you, what you can find is when, when people find that they're really sore, you know, well, then they drop off. You know, they find the, the first initial 10 days and that's the, the te- first 10 days is probably the hardest part because day. once you get past the first 10 days, the soreness and the aches and the pains all begin to stop. Yeah. You know, you find yourself developing, you find yourself getting that little bit stronger, that little bit more confident. And that's a big thing for me is, is making them feel confident in the gym. You know, if you make them feel confident in the gym and make them feel that they're enjoying it and that they're progressing, you know, then you start keeping them. That's, they're both great businesses. Let's give a plug to the websites for each. So, Anthony, Urban Fitness website is? So, um, so we, we're, on, we're on Instagram and Facebook, you know. So, it's uh, Urban Fitness Cork on, um, on Instagram. So, stick and that into the search yeah, for Facebook. Yeah, search, search and, and, and it'll come up. Yeah. Okay, and uh, Rob, what's the best way to contact your gym? Yeah, fitforlesscork.com. 
our Instagram and Facebook fit for less Actually, look, if you're driving along South Charles, give him a wave You'll in through the window. It, yeah. That's the easiest thing to do. Okay, Rob Birdsell from Fit for Less and Anthony Fenley uh, of Urban Fitness. Gentlemen, thank you both very much for joining us in Red Business and the best of luck to you. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB Business. Improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuB.com So going to the gym is obviously one of the big New Year's resolutions and good luck if you're still doing it and hopefully it'll go on for longer. The other, of course, is that we eat healthily and uh, one business in Cork that is doing its best to help us in that regard is Loving Salads, which has two outlets now and Jason Carroll is with me in studio. Jason, how are you? Very well, thank you. Tell me uh, where you got the idea for Loving Salads. Um, I came back from overseas in 2014, uh, wanted to come back and do something different in Cork City. Um, and funny enough, I'd done salads back in the farmer's market probably in 2006 and we'd done some salads. And I just thought nothing of it. It was one day a week down Kinsale. It was extra pocket money. And we said that um, um, we came back in 2014 um, and we said we'd do something ourselves. And we said we'd go back to the farmer's market and do salads because healthy food is kind of coming in, in style. Uh, there was a lot of... Um, uh, there was a lot of buzz around it, really, wasn't yeah, there? I mean, it, 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 yeah. Because they are healthier. They are healthy. Um, and you'd be surprised what you can do with some carrots and beetroots and add a few spices and some flavouring and, and cooking them in certain ways, you know, um, can definitely bring a, a, a salad to life, you know. See, when, when I would have been growing up in the 80s, a, a salad would have consisted of maybe two lettuce leaves and, if you're lucky, a bit of tomato. Whereas we have kind of matured in our understanding of what constitutes a salad nowadays. Yeah. Your background is as a chef, so yeah. you drew on that, I'm presuming, when you started out in the farmer's market. Yeah, we... we yeah, like you said, you know, salads, we, we, when I told people I was going and doing salads, they thought, oh my God, you know, the hardball leg and slice of tomato and... Oh, I forgot, lettuce, the, har- you know. forgot the hardball leg, um, so you, you couldn't, know, you couldn't um, leave that So, out. you know, my vision was, you know, bringing, you know, healthy grains, uh, healthy, you know, uh, vegetables, um, sourcing them locally, um, you know, tapping into the farmer's market, using using that uh, knowledge. Um, and, you know, I've been chefing for about 20 years from all over the world. Um so w- where did you work? What what uh, what restaurants did you work? You worked in a Michelin star restaurant. Yeah, you? I I kicked off my 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 um my cooking with uh, Pat McSweeney way back when in the early nineties um, in the old Mallow Road. Then he sent me off to Michael Fleming down in Tivoli, Civil Grange House. Um, worked there with the with Michael for a good four years, and then next thing he sent me off to London. Uh, worked with Anton Mazziman. He's you know OB to the Queen now, and you know he's a, a fantastic club there in Knightsbridge. Um, then I went to. Uh, Three Star Michelin restaurant there with uh, Pierre Kaufman. So you worked in a three star Michelin? Yeah, three star Michelin with Pierre Kaufman. Uh, worked there for about a year and a half. How intense was it working in a three star um, Michelin? That was 16, 17 hours a day, six days a week, cycle to work, cycle home. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I got in there, kept my head down, and, and worked. Um, he and, saw that. And he, what did you do? Like, obviously, you have a you have a position in a chain. What? Yeah, I, I remember, funny enough, I, I remember I started on a Monday morning uh, with myself and three other French chefs. Um, long, story, long story short, uh, the three French chefs didn't last very long. Um, I was the type of guy who just get in there, get the work done. Um, I, I loved what I done was doing, um, and he saw that. And um, next thing, he put me on a, a section working on fish. Um, so I was there for about three to four months and then he moved you around maybe to working on the meats and you're working alongside him. Um, so it is quite intense. Um, I'd imagine you probably couldn't do more than something. You said 18 months. That's probably longer than the average chef would last in that yeah, environment, I'd imagine. Um, 
you 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 were, you're there with you know 15 other chefs who were in the same boat you know um he was at that time he was probably in his late 60s and still working those hours so you know you look up to somebody like that and you say to yourself wow you know um for somebody that can do that never took a sick day in his life um and just gets on with it you know and, and cooks from the heart and, and and loves what he does you know and and when you're young, you just want to absorb as much as you can of that kind of knowledge, you know. So from London, then you ended up going to Australia. And then at another point, you ended up where? In Fiji. Yeah. Did the wanderlust come to an end and you decided, you know what, what would be nice if we came yeah, back to Cork? I, I just had I had this wide range of knowledge. You know, I went to France as well for about nearly two years, worked with a, a mayor of the France. He was voted best chef in France. He was another two-star Michelin restaurant. The only, you know, um, the only English chef or the Irish chef in, in, in the kitchen. So I had this knowledge and, you and, you know, working in Fiji, working with a Sri Lankan chef in Australia who, who was making big waves in in in, um, in Sydney. You know, he had a flying fish restaurant. Uh, he, they have chef's hats over there. That was a two chef hat restaurant. Um, so I had all this knowledge, and I just really wanted to come back and do something here in Cork with all that. I said, were you like a sponge during all of this? That this was yeah. uh, this was in, in many ways uh, being a chef as an apprentice because you always learn from the chefs above and even the chefs below you. Yeah, and and you decided to come back and distill this into what became a business. Yeah, it's just, you know, you, you, you can only buy so much books and you can sit there and, and listen to somebody talk about A, B and C, you know, but you, to learn anything, you know, you have to jump in and there and, and just get on with it and, and absorb it, you know, and work with the best, you know. So um, I just was lucky enough that, you know, you work in one restaurant, you get on well, um, another door opens and you have, a you know, a, another bridge to go and work with another fantastic chef or another restaurant or, you know, a real chateau restaurant or so... Um, you know, and to work in countries like Australia, Sri Lanka, mm. um, you know. But Fiji, like everything fantastic. else, being a Cork man, you came back to Cork yeah. um, and, and you set up Loving Salads. The, what was it like, that experience of setting up the business? Because from getting money, getting backers, going to the bank, setting up the bank account. Yeah. You know, all the things that can go wrong when you're trying I to open a new restaurant. I kind of had an idea. I was going, I knew a good three years in advance that I knew I was going to go home. So when I was in Fiji, um, I said to myself, you know, we're, we're going to go back home. We're going to do something ourselves because, you know, you're running something and you're making a company so much money. You just said to yourself, wouldn't it be great to invest all that energy and time into something that you own yourself? So we, we, we knew in advance and we had a plan. So, you know, you, you have a plan in head and you, you start saving the pennies and getting a bit of a bank account together and, and, and start saving for something that you know you're going to be doing. So we came back. Um, I started in the farmer's market which is great because it gives you an idea of how people are going to perceive your food, your, your the way you do things. So, and are, they, know, are they kind of cutting in the farmer's market? Because I always get the impression, that not to denigrate the owl ones, but the owl ones will come up and tell you if they don't like it. Oh, you see, that was the great thing about the farmer's market. You know, we, we, we came up with 20 different styles of salad. I was working on my own. I came back and took out my dad's little kitchen in the house and kicked him out of his shed and turned that <laughs> into a, a, a little kitchen and, you know, did, you know, and had my builder in there to turn it into a HSE-approved kitchen. Did your dad even like salads? Uh, I, I had to buy my shed down from me. Kinsale and brought it up and uh, an old banger of a shed and put it together and put all these lawnmowers and tools back in there. But um, you know, looking back, you know, it was uh, you, you just, it's just the baby steps you have to do to get yourself up and running. Um, and then what was the reaction like when you opened? Because it really was the first proper 
I, I, I know there's other salad places, but you were the first people who were unashamedly only selling salads. Yeah. What was um, the reaction like from the customers when they opened the it, outlet? It was good because I think what we were doing was something different. You know, when you say salad, you know, from other places you go in and, you know, you, they, they make a salad in front of you with lettuce leaves and, and vegetables and make a dressing and this, that and the other. I think what I wanted to do was have a complete dish, you know. Um, you know, things like um, we do a... a we do um, a roasted chickpea with um, some spices, you know, with fresh coconut, mango, chili, coriander, lemon juice, you know. And we use fresh coconut and, uh, you know, I have a grater from Sri Lanka that you tie onto the table and you grate the fresh coconuts, you know. And, and all those combinations of flavours were, were, were fantastic, you know. You could have that as a meal with a piece of fish, a piece of chicken and, and, and or even on its own, you know. So you, you serve takeaway and dine-in. Yep. You do, you, both. You do both. And you pushed to a second outlet. That only opened in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, um, yeah, we opened up. Um, on Washington Street. On Washington Street. We said we'll do something slightly different than we do in Academy Street. Um, we, we just had great feedback from Academy Street. We have a loyal following there. Um, and we just said we'll take the same kind of concept, the same kind of decor, the whole lot, um, put the lemming salads uh, twist on it. And we just said we'll do some salads. I have a guy in Kinsale who grows all my salad leaves column from Horizon Farms. Um, we do all our salad dressings, a bit more calorie counted. Um, and we use as much as we can from people who are making cheese or nut roast burgers or, you know, the fishes from O'Connell's and, and, and so on, you know. It's all local. So in other words, the, as much the as we possibly carbon can, footprint you know. is lower and, uh, and we're always told. And we make the salad and fresh it, in front yeah, of you. Eat local stuff, it's better for you. Yeah. Do you find January is a good time for loving salads because people come back fat as fools like myself after Christmas <laughs> and going, good God, we have to do something. I'm, I'm making a beeline for the new place in Washington. Yeah, um, we, we closed up on Christmas Eve and uh, we closed for two weeks and we just said, you know, it's a good time for us to kind of recharge the batteries, give time people off. Um, and then we opened up Monday um, and we, we, we just sold out on Monday, you know. Um, I think people come back with this kind of perception of, you know, the whole world goes on a diet for the first two weeks and, you know, they come in <laughs> and you know we, we're very affordable and, and you know you, you come in and you can get a nice tub of salad and you feel full you know you, you, you don't feel like you're just eating a salad and you're going to be hungry in an hour's time you know or indeed you, you don't know, feel as, um, as terrible as you would do after eating a big burger for lunch yeah, yeah. so what's the plan I mean where do you want this to go because we've seen uh, let's take one of your competitors even though they're not really in the Cork market chopped for example yeah. that have this real aggressive expansion the last one yeah. is, is that the road you want to go down um, yeah I think I'm at a, a crossroad now where you know I, I don't think we could do like what Chop do. I think, you know, we, we do 23 different styles of salad every day. You know, our kitchen's open seven days a week. Um, 23 different types. We do 23 different salads. You know, we, we, we do vegan curries, vegetarian curries. We do uh, cold-pressed juices. We do um, gluten-free, dairy-free desserts, vegan desserts. Um, so we do a whole range of those kind of things. And it, there's a lot going on in the kitchen I have, you know. Um, so in other words, let's... Slowly, you know, slowly, I, catchy. I'd, I'd rather maybe open in Dublin, maybe in Galway, and just keep it like that and, and do uh, it right and correct. Um, w- w- what was more stressful, working in the three-star Michelin restaurant or starting your own business? Um, look, when it's your business and it's your money on the line and it's your reputation and your name up over the door, you just got to make sure that it's hundred percent all the time. Just got to be there. And I'll decipher that customers. as being opening your first business was a more stressful experience. It is stressful, you know, but, you know, I, you know, my, my dad is uh, fantastic. You know, he looks after our two kids, you know, when we were not there, you know, um, my wife has been fantastic, Sabrina. You know, you just need a family. You need a friend support. Um, I have a good team around me. You know, I've got Craig, you know, who's been working in uh, Fort Island for the last nine years. He's on board with me and I have a small team of chefs with me all the time. Look, and they're it, fantastic, you know. I love the brand, number one. I love the 
concept and the fact that you've two now doing well is a real great testament to, to taking that risk as you did in 2015. Uh, Loving Salads are on Academy Street and on Washington Street and probably coming somewhere else soon as well by all accounts. Jason Carroll, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you very much. This. Appreciate it. Thank you. Here's hoping you are sufficiently inspired to eat well and exercise more after all of that. My thank you to our guests and to Neave Hennessy who produced Red Business at redfm.ie if you want to get involved and we'll catch you as always on the next one. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompuB.com.